welcome to Anna Conversations with Myanmar. If you'd like to add your voice to the conversation here at Anna, please reach out to us through any of our social media platforms or you can email us directly. This conversation features Julian Joseph from Stars of Myanmar Friendship Club, SMFC. SMFC is run by a group of people in the UK with strong ties to Myanmar. The club focuses on supporting people in Myanmar through various means, including awareness campaigns, humanitarian aid, and providing financial assistance to those suffering under the illegal rule of the military junta. In collaboration with Myanmar Unity Movement, SMFC have been leading the Four for Freedom campaign in front of the British Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office to urge the UK government to immediately expel the Myanmar military attaché. Here, Julie and Joseph talk about the Four for Freedom campaign, their respective routes to joining Stars of Myanmar Friendship Club, and the ongoing struggle for those who support Myanmar, both in and outside of the country. Let's start the conversation. Today on Anna Podcast, we're joined by Joseph and Julie um, from the Stars of Myanmar Friendship Organization, and they're going to talk to us about what they've been doing to raise awareness for what's happening in Myanmar. So Julie, if you wouldn't mind maybe introducing yourself and telling us a bit about uh, Stars of Myanmar Friendship. Thank you. Thank you for allowing us to participate in this podcast. Uh, my name is Julie. I work as an international development auditor. I have been living in the UK. I'm a founder of, one of the founder of Stars of Myanmar Friendship Group. Joseph, do you want to maybe introduce yourself a little bit and then we can talk a little bit more about the organisation? Yeah, thank you for having us on today. My name is Joseph. I'm a student in London. I've been a member of the Stars of Myanmar Friendship Club for about a year now. And we've been doing a bunch of different projects and fundraising. And today we'd like to talk a bit about one of our projects, the Four for Freedom campaign. Julie, do you want to tell us what prompted you to set this up in the first place? And where did uh, this idea come from? Has it been a direct result of the coup in February 2021? Before setting up this group, after the coup, we started like involving in the protest. Then there is a CDM people we need to support. So me and another founder, you know, providing the CDM people assistance in cash or like other food assistance. So with our own money, then my friend donated to us. And then the um, the revolution has been changed. You can see like a lot of people endure. So we try to give medical assistance. Medical assistance means providing through the doctors, you know, cash assistance, but through the doctors. So then I walk a marathon, 26 months. So I raise about 5,000 pounds over. And then my friend raised about 1,000 each or 10. Oh, rather than doing alone, we're going to do together, setting up a club called Stars of Myanmar Friendship. There. Then we start helping do the people, and the, especially for the CDM. Then to the people who are injured or to our fallen heroes families, especially some people. So in Myanmar culture, like seven days, they have to donate something. So they have to run away. So those kind of donations also we did. Then another founder, uh, he is documentary filmmaker. And um, 
a, a broader uh, idea to do photo exhibition. And that became Stars of Myanmar Friendship. Then during 2021, until now, we already did three photo exhibitions. And then we always participate in as much as we can for the protests and direct help to the Burmese CDM people. And then also, you know, in Myanmar right now is very difficult to live even one day for food. So we are trying to connect with and distributing through our reliable sources. So as I mentioned, like we participate in protests in UK. And on 2nd of August, we did a protest in front of foreign office to ask the foreign minister and sanction, including the military attache out. So like we, we asked for pork wines. So after that day, we went for dinner. Then got idea. This idea, this Food for Freedom campaign, and then started it every day, protest in front of foreign office, 3 to 5 p.m. So we started some Myanmar Friendship Group and then also Myanmar Unity Movement because 2nd of August, protest was led by the Myanmar Unity Movement and we are just only as a supporter. Then we two organization, okay, we work together and got that idea and starting from 8th of August, so we have been doing 19 days already. That's great. 19 days. Wow. Um, I don't know if you want to give us just a little bit of background to the military attache and what he is doing in the UK, maybe for people who, who are not aware of the situation and maybe give us some background there. Yeah, I personally speaking, I didn't know too much about what was happening with the Myanmar military attache in the UK. I didn't have the information. I didn't even know that there was a Myanmar military attache in the UK. So my knowledge was very limited. And then on the 2nd of August, we submitted a formal letter to the Foreign Office requesting that the attaché was removed. And during this project, I was helping out with some of the writing and some of the letter writing and the press release and, and things like that. So I had to do some research and I was I was learning quite quickly about what the attaché represents. And frankly, it was quite strange for me to see that the attaché was still able to operate freely in the United Kingdom. So I thought it would be best to convey that ridiculousness with three main points. So one of it was that the Myanmar military attaché, Captain So Ong, operates freely in the UK. And as a result, that symbolizes to the Tatmadaw in Myanmar that they are welcome in the United Kingdom, regardless of who says that the coup is unconstitutional, because they are allowed to operate in London with an official office and a residency in Wimbledon. That is something very symbolic, which I don't think should be allowed. The second point was that a lot of the members of the UK Myanmar community feel very unsafe in London when they go to the protests. I don't have that experience because I am not from Myanmar. However, when I am listening to people who are telling me that they don't know who's the military spies, who's not, who are the cronies, who are not, it's quite unsettling when you start to hear the stories of members of the military who are able to operate in the UK, receiving direct orders from the Myanmar military attaché to go to these protests, infiltrate the protests in London, take pictures, try to identify some of the protesters, 
send that information directly back to Myanmar, where they will try to identify any people and harass and at times even arrest family members who are still residing in Myanmar, which when I heard of that, I, I mean, it's devastating. And I'm, I'm surprised that the UK government has not done something about that. A lot of these people are British citizens, and yet they are still unsafe in London. And then the final point, which was that the British government does not have a military attache in Myanmar as military relations ended following the um, genocidal military offensive against the Rohingya in 2017. Recently, we've also highlighted that the ex-British ambassador Vicky Bowman was just arrested and jailed for one year in Myanmar. So while all this is happening in Myanmar, back in London, the UK is still welcoming the Myanmar hunter. And the military attaché's role is supposed to create uh, military relations with other countries. That is what the role of the Myanmar military attaché is trying to do in the UK. So for me and other people, I think we are questioning what is Captain So Ong and his team of cronies doing in London? Is he trying to create some sort of network with other nations? Who's he talking to? And is he talking to the UK government? Are they having a dialogue? And if so, I think that members of the Myanmar community in the UK deserve to know what, what is being said and what's going on. Yeah. Just when you mentioned there about the people feeling unsafe, because also here in Ireland, it's similar because, you know, the the UK embassy has always been for the Irish and Swedish people as well. Like the Myanmar people who reside in Ireland, if they need a passport, they need a visa, they always have to apply to London, to the embassy there. So they live in that kind of same fear. And I know that several people, Burmese citizens, who are now Irish citizens, actually, have had the military visit their homes in uh, Myanmar as a result of their activities here. So somebody is reporting back to the military, clearly. So it is a huge concern. But also recently, the Myanmar military have kicked the UK ambassador out of Myanmar. So it's really surprising that they have had no action in response to that. Have you had any, like response from the government in the UK to give you reasons for their lack of action or any indication that they may act in the future? Regarding this, for those people's news is on the news, but they didn't give any you know response on that. I think we mentioned on the letter, right? Second of August, uh, people's has been kicked out. And also the other thing is like UK government what we feel is they supported us. However, they didn't do enough or enough force to stand with our Burmese people. Uh, people is kindly, he didn't give his, you know, appointment letter to the Myanmar. That is a good one for us. That at that time, we hugely appreciated to him, you know, not recognizing Myanmar as a legitimate government. That's why he didn't give his appointment letter. So very good news. But on the other hand, when he was kicked out, but no action or nothing follow up from the British government, even people who has been uh, working in another position at foreign office, I saw it on the Twitter. Sorry, Judy, can I just add quickly in relation to if there's been any dialogue with any members of the UK government, we did get a response 
from our initial letter on the 2nd of August from the Minister of State for Asia and the Middle East, Amanda Milling. Mm -hmm. And I would like to quote one of her paragraphs in relation to kicking out the Myanmar military attaché. And Amanda Milling wrote, In relation to the military attaché here in the UK, I note your concerns. Any decision to declare a foreign diplomat persona non grata under the Vienna Convention on Diplomatic Relations would need careful consideration in view of the wider implications of such a decision. This letter was sent to us prior to the arrest of Vicky Bowman, but it was done several weeks after the head of the British embassy in Myanmar was kicked out. So, yeah, the response was very surprising, very discouraging. It happened probably, I think we got the response a week since we started the Fall for Freedom campaign, and it was quite discouraging. And there were some difficult days where we were struggling to find that enthusiasm to keep going and keep that hope. But thanks for that. I, I know that she has been like one of the more, I guess, I guess, responsive uh, politicians in the UK. I see a lot of groups posting responses from her, so that is rather disappointing. Her response there, actually. But as you say, these developments with Vicky Bowman uh, recently being arrested perhaps may force the UK to take a harder stance on Myanmar. We shall wait and see. We did speak to Chris Gunas recently, um, the Myanmar. You probably are in touch with him, are you? The Myanmar Accountability Project, because I know he's heavily involved in trying to get movement in the UK in terms of the, the ambassadorial residence, and they've been taking some legal action there. But it, it, it's crazy. So... When you started your campaign, you have four people every evening outside the foreign office at the time in which it's open. Why four? Is there, is there a particular reason? Our campaign has been started after the uh, execution of four people. So we like to honour them. As you, all of you are aware that on 25th July in 2022, the Myanmar military did a ship reported the execution of four democracy activists in the country. First official judicial execution in over 30 years. The four people put to that where Kochemi is our, you know, 88th generation famous leader. Josiato also used to be um, MP, a member of parliament, and plus he is a singer. And also Kulam and Kulam from Laitaya. So all of, all of them were convicted after closed military tribunals, which denied the chance to a fair trial. That sentence is just one of the many horrific ways the Myanmar military is attempting to, you know, show fear among anyone who opposes its rule. So, no information on when or how the um, those people were executed and when they announced. So then we received on 25th July and then we started like the protest on 2nd of August. Then we thought like we like to honor those four people. And then Kojimi always said that we will get the strength from whatever we received, the sad news or horrific news. Yes, of course, we are human. We will be sad. We are sad. However, we need to get strength from those horrific news to keep going our revolution. So that's why when we given a name, especially that they are not only the heroes, 
for people. We have lots of fallen heroes and fighting heroes, fighting stars, fallen stars. We have, but those people are very, especially Gujimi and um, the Gopiosiado are very famous people. We can use that news, getting strength from that news and then to keep going and also honor to them. So that's why we named Full for Freedom campaign. Four people, and then we are doing campaign is to be freedom of our Burmese people. Yeah, and again, like, I mean, I'm, I'm just remembering, like, Amanda Milling, she, she made quite a vocal statement on Twitter after those executions recently as well. So I'm just disappointed with her. I haven't moved past that. <laughs> I thought she was, she was somebody who, who had the Myanmar cause in her heart, but maybe politics uh, sometimes uh, wins out. So what's the public reaction in the UK? Is there a lot of awareness at all about what's happening in Myanmar? You finding people are interested, like, Joseph, you're a student. Is it something people are aware of on campus? Is it something that you're having to tell people about all the time? And is it making the national news? Is it actually, is Vicky Bowman, is, is the fact that this is happening in Myanmar, is it still making the national news? I've not been there for a while, but when I was there, it was very Ukraine-focused international news. In relation to the news, it's it's tough because there's this this news cycle which focuses on trending stories and Unfortunately, when the executions were announced, that did make the news momentarily. The same thing happened with the um, arrest of Vicky Moatman, and it probably lost one night, if that, and then on to the next thing. It's, it's tough because there are a lot of allies in the UK and a lot of great people who are doing work, both from Myanmar and from the international community. But in terms of mainstream media, it's not something which is picked up on a lot. There was a documentary which was released on Channel 4 called Myanmar, the Forgotten Revolution, which I thought was, it was impressive. I was really surprised. And I don't think that I should have been surprised. I think that I shouldn't have felt the way that I did. I stayed up to watch it. I was really excited. I was reposting it. And I know that a lot of people related to Myanmar somehow were doing the same thing. And it felt a bit strange because it was something which was really unique. The release and showing of that documentary live on British TV was a one-off. And it, it, it shouldn't be like that. It's been over a year since the coup. And I know that everyone related to Myanmar somehow would love for there to be more international attention. And yeah, there's great journalism happening which is really detailed. And that's from in-country or out-country. A lot of it is volunteer basis without income. And I think that there should be more support and more people trying to highlight those stories and get it into the mainstream. So as a student, it's very difficult to talk about my interest in Myanmar. My degree was centered around cultural studies of, of Southeast Asia, specifically Myanmar. So I've always had to experience people not knowing where it is, especially geographically, which is quite surprising, or even pronouncing it, which is a bit complicated. And then on campus, students are definitely very open-minded and very willing to listen. I, myself and other friends from Myanmar have created a small little society at my university where we're just trying to spread awareness to regular students, which has been really successful. We've done a lot of film screenings, lecture series, inviting the Stars of Myanmar Friendship Club to the university to speak about their work. We had a photography exhibition there as well. So there's been many ways that we've tried to educate people. And 
it's quite nice to see students keeping open-minded, but at the same time, we're the ones who have to really give it to them, really give that information to them, because if not, they're not going to find it elsewhere. So even when we're doing the Fall for Freedom campaign, a lot of the general public will stop and look at us. A lot of them don't know much. Every now and then you'll have someone talk about their grandparent who fought in in Burma when it was called, or you'll have people say, oh yeah, I heard there was a coup there. What's happening now? Is it all fine? And it's it's a bit tough to hear, hear these things. And I mean, I, I know that myself and everyone related to Myanmar somehow will always have a, a set synopsis, which they will give to people and give a really quick rundown of what's happening. And I think that's definitely something we can do, but we can't get that information out there as widespread unless the international media is really with us and helping us. And that's definitely something which needs to improve. Um, Julie, I'm just curious if this is your first time involved, so, so I guess, so involved, to be so involved in the politics of your country or prior to the coup, had you ever been involved in Myanmar politics in the way that you are now? I have been involved since 2006. So at that time, Andy uh, Dong San Suu Kyi uh, is in house arrest. And to be honest, when I was, I grew up in Myanmar until uh, I was 26. Uh, I came here in 26 years old. So I was living with fear and I never involved in the protest when we did a small protest or like um, 96 uh, revolution. So it's smaller than, it's very smaller than Karawan, but I never involved in the university either because the same time, like, you know, but this, this situation is worse, but at the time, people need to focus on work. So I, when I was in Burma, I only focused to support my family because it's so difficult to live, you know, enough money. So I work as, um, as a company as like a secretary and also outside of office hours, I work as a bookkeeping teacher. Seven days I work for my family because I'm the eldest daughter. I need to support them. So, I mean, a kind of selfish or I didn't aware that much about 1988. I was around 14 or 13 years old. I didn't have enough information. So when I came here, in 2006, I study and also I can read a lot of like at the time internet is, you know, accessible in the UK. So I can read lots from the blog at that time is blog, bloggers, yeah, famous. And then we read from there. I learned from there. Then I start involving supporting. So I'm also a student and then part time uh, working. So from that time, I saved the money rather than eating outside. And then I supported whenever I had about a news from the BBC. So someone has been arrested. The children are outside. Nobody helped. Then I support many through the reliable source. Then I became more closer with the political society. So since then, I supported only supporter, but not, I mean, not protest a lot. And then Clearly, uh, being honest with you, going to protest, some people would like to get asylum. I don't want to do it. I don't want to get a threat to my parents. Another being honest with you, my 
brother is in army. So I support her, but I like to keep away from, and then I don't want to do it either. I like, because I'm studying. If I would like to live in the UK, I will try other way because like to get a work permit and with my professional. So that's why I don't go to protest purposely. And uh, 2007, Suffering Revolution, I went there. That is the first time I joined. It's in the crowd. And from starting from the Trafalgar Square to the uh, Peace Pagoda, the better feedback, I walk. But I wear hat and I wear glasses. And also I wear unusual, like normally I'm very girly. I wear dress, but other time I wear shirt and I try to make it not to look like myself. Then I involved, that is the first time. Then I involved more and more. And in 2019, I'm married to the activist, my, my husband. He's involved since 14 years old in 1988. So um, he used to be a ABSTF, former ABSTF. Then he was in prison for 11 years. So he's former political prisoner. And also now he's activist. So I married to him in 2019. So more involved in political, not political, like the Rohingya or Rakhine, you know, they cut the internet. So we try to raise, like, to open the internet, those kind of activities. And also my, I myself, uh, international, I'm an auditor at uh, International Development Center. So I've been everywhere in Myanmar. I've been to Mondo. I've been to Nichina, ethnic area. So I know more, I think I learn more because I've been there. So I've been to IDB camps, but to have, you know, with my own many fine food for them. But I feel sorry that I didn't, I stopped with the satisfaction of supporting them only, but I didn't speak up for them. Now, I now realize it. We need to speak out for them. Like if there is injustice in one place, that affect to other country as well. Like so in Myanmar, there is a military coup that is affecting to the region and also the British government. So we had a history with British government. And then British government also, you know, commits to the international community their British value about democratic, you know, freedom. So that they need to support us. They are committed in the international community. That's why we are asking British government more helping to our Burmese. Sorry, might not be an answer for your question. I don't know what I'm talking no, about. No, it's really good. I think I think a lot of people will relate to your story because even now we have a lot of young people abroad and some of them are where you were back then. They're like, I just need to work. I need to get money home. I I can't think about this. I need to focus on my studies. And, and others are yet to find their role and what they should be doing. Or, or It's difficult. I, I see a lot of like kind of fighting in groups, not fighting, but like giving out about each other because so-and-so is not doing anything. And I sympathize because not everyone is ready. Not everyone knows what to do. And, and some people just shut down, you know, and in these situations and they, they, they don't know what to do. And some come from military backgrounds and they're very conflicted because their family backgrounds have paid for their new lifestyle. And, and how do they just break away from that, especially if they don't have citizenship in their country, if they're still halfway through studies? And it's not as clear cut as people um, 
think I, uh, you know, but I think what you're saying is is important. Money is is so important to get to the ground, but speaking out matters too because it will never change if we don't keep speaking for these people. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting to hear your story and and how you got involved. Compared with our time, this is different. This revolution is. This revolution is. We all Burmese thought this is our end game. We have to do it. A lot of people, you know, in this country, not all are British citizens. So a lot of people who hold Burmese passport, they stay involved in. And I myself, you know, previously was I cover my my identity, who I am, but I'm not now. So the whole country is involved. And also, we also thought, like, we will fight until the end. So this is our Burmese people's determination to keep going. Of course, like, during 2021, I suffer a lot about, you know, depression, but I have to calm myself first, then, you know, keep going. Because if we don't keep going, so not a lot on the international media either. So no, you know, United Nations at the moment is hopeless, you know, what we thought. So um, so we have to keep going for our people. Otherwise, our people in nowadays, like the guy area, they do airstrike, you know, bombing every day. They ban the houses. And then if we don't keep going, who's going to look after their people? We're not relatives. However, we thought we are in a family, in a revolution. We are in all in one together in the revolution family. That's how I feel. I thought of that. No, and I hear people saying that a lot now. We only have each other. It seems to be the kind of consensus amongst the Myanmar community. Like, we just have each other now. You know, they, they kind of, there's a sense of abandonment by big organizations like the UN and governments who are looking after maybe their own political self-interests. It has been disappointing. But I guess one of the things we focused a lot on is small organizations like you guys who are doing these small things. And we we have a belief that all of those things together will make something bigger, you know, that everyone doing something small will hopefully join together to make big changes. But your campaign is 19 days in now. Is that right? How long do you plan to go for every day until you you get the results you want? Or or have you got an end point in mind? Or are you just going every day and hoping and seeing where it takes you? Yeah, I think I think the the end point is We'll only stop when the Myanmar military attaché is removed from the United Kingdom. And that might take a few months. It might take an entire year. I think the really interesting thing about this campaign is we're constantly learning. And from day one till now, we have made a lot of changes to the way that the campaign is operated. And that's purely based on how can we make it as easy as possible to do it for two hours every day and get enough people to help us out and not make it some sort of hassle which is really difficult to carry out and there's a struggle every single day there's been a lot of things that we've learned um, along the way we've had to get invest in some bags to carry the equipment we've built some good relationships with the security guards around the foreign office which have actually been really really kind to us and have taken our flyers and distributed them among their colleagues, have asked a lot of questions 
about what is it that we're doing, listen to us for hours and hours and hours just to try and get a sense of what is happening in Myanmar. And I think that's been a really interesting experience because the more interest and appreciation that we get, the more that we're willing to to do it every single day. We've had delivery drivers who every day go to the foreign office to deliver something. And as they pass us, they'll honk and they will encourage us. And we have some members of the foreign office who have said, you know, keep going. This this is something. And I think it's not an easy thing that we're doing because we're trying to mobilize more than four people to come every single day. And the organization on top of, you know, day jobs and being students and even commuting, what happens when there's tube strike? It's really difficult. We all don't live close to the foreign office. How do we get there? What about the money? What about the time? Who's going to pick up the equipment to bring it there? Who's going to take the equipment home? It's, it's, it's complicated, but at the same time, it's been a really interesting experience. And I think we all have gained quite a lot from it. There's kind of two sides to the campaign. There's a symbolic side where we're sitting down, holding the pictures of these four people who were executed. We have three big banners, which say, kick out the Myanmar military attache and Another one about questioning, why is it that the Tatmadaw, who's responsible for many war crimes and inflicting a genocide on the Rohingyas, are able to operate freely, etc. And that is a symbolic thing in front of the foreign office where the general public take pictures. We constantly update on our Facebook page of what we're doing. We conduct interviews with the participants who would like to say something. We give out flyers as well. And that's another thing. We give flies to the general public, which educate them. And we try to inform them on how they could help if they want to. That can involve signing our new petition, which we've just created, which is about trying to get the parliament to debate if they could kick out the Myanmar military attaché. So that's something that the general public can help us out with. And then we have a whole new set of flyers, which are directed towards members of the foreign office who are either entering or leaving the building. And that's trying to incite them to have a conversation with their colleagues about it, have a conversation with the people who are outside of their workplace every working day, have a conversation maybe with their bosses. How can you bring that up? How can you go back home and maybe research a bit more about what's happening in Myanmar? I know that the foreign office does have a Myanmar department in their building, but at the same time, it requires many different people to help out. And if it means that one time there'll be some sort of influential politician or some determined person who might read those flyers or see us and that might resonate with them and they might tirelessly try to help us and and work with us to get this done that would be great and we don't think it's going to be a short campaign but we're doing everything we can to make it as easy as possible for it to last in the long run it's easy to do it in the summer it's not rain we've had rain for two days we've had to get raincoats and umbrellas and things like that. And it'll be really difficult in the winter, but already we're thinking about what are we going to put on the floor so people can sit down and not feel cold? Where can we get some of those disposable hand warmers for people? What about gloves? What about hats? What about scarves? Is it possible to get some sort of banner, which when it rains, we can, we can still sit down. So yeah, we, we have the determination. And I think that's something which I've definitely learned from people related to Myanmar is that there is a strong determination to do something and we're constantly getting support and that really feeds us and drives us to do it every single day. So, 
So we are now operating with like around 50 people to do protests. So we are doing with the rotor. When we work together, like in SOAS uh, photo exhibition, we always flexible to learn or to change things. So even that for, you know, at the present, we are running with six people every day. Four people were sitting photos, silent protests, and then two people, one is standing in front of foreign office entrance, giving flyer to the foreign office people. And then the other one is to the general public. So even though Full for Freedom campaign is, the main objective is to kick the military attache out. However, you know, the the flyers we give to the general public, we also mention about like others' petition to sign it if you are the British citizen or resident, and also how the people can support the Myanmar community in the UK or Myanmar people. We also mention about the Facebook page of Myanmar events in the UK. So then the local Burmese people, they do fundraising. So people can go there, you know, buying food. So those kind of information are also included as well. So it is good for our community, not only this campaign, like we trying, you know, the same time, like by broader, you know, raising awareness to know about what is happening currently in Myanmar right now. I think what you're both doing is fantastic. And the two things that keep marrying up with what you two have just said, when Julie, you said about the British idea of democracy and that how that was supposed to be able to happen in Myanmar and those were democratic elections. And all that happened was that this hunter just said that they, they were illegal and it's been proven that they were not wrong and there's no justice there. And then Joseph, listening to all the work that you're doing, and I just can't help but thinking of that whole generation of educated young students in Myanmar that have just, they've lost all their prospects some have lost their lives many have lost limbs have had to join an army and like have just had their whole future taken away from them um sorry I'm getting a bit emotional um but this whole idea this kind of almost a fantasy that like this British ideal that you can install democracy in a country when you still have a regime that is just so brutal and corrupt with so much power and then to turn your back on it when you, you've been you know <laughs> saying it, that this is the kind of policy that you support internationally and it's only when it suits them that they do go in and support that but fantastic for what you're doing and uh yeah amazing keep up the good work and we are very lucky to have joseph in our burmese community he have in he involved in uh, he participated in you know, most of the protests and then also he you know he's a yam person and trying to give us a new ideas and how to get access and then also even though for, you know, this Food for Freedom campaign, we are also doing protests. At the behind, Joseph and I trying to get media so that that is, you know, we cannot mention like how we spend our time, like to get the content, like the, the famous newspaper. I try to contact through the Twitter, through the LinkedIn, we even use LinkedIn, and also research about like how, you know, any other way we can present, you know, discussion a lot and also research a lot, spend time. So he spent a lot for us. Also, we had a, um, you know, Myanmar journalist interview. So more Myanmar people seeing it. Our people, the fans, you know, PDF people. So the same age of him, they watch it because Joseph said in, in English, yeah, right. But however, they translated in Burmese. That is giving like emotional support as well. Like, what, you know, our PDF, you know, young children, uh, generations there. So they are not alone, you know, 
together, like not all over the world, but however, someone is still for us. So that's how I we feel it. So, so you know, we are we are very lucky to have him in our community, UK Burmese community. And I think just when you're saying it, like sometimes we look at these campaigns and we forget the sheer hours that go into just <laughs> putting four people sitting outside the foreign office. It's not just as simple as it looks. Uh, there's hours and hours of work that you almost be doing behind the scenes and people helping you and giving up their time. And it is a, it is a, an emotional support. You're right for the people back in Myanmar to know that all the way in the UK, there's a team of people who are getting up every day and, and, and fighting for them, you know, and, and that gives them the strength to keep going too. So um, it's great what you guys are doing. People can check out your Facebook page for, because you also do like some photo exhibitions and different fundraisers as well from time to time. So I guess if they, if they go to your Facebook page, do you want to just, Joseph, maybe just give us those details again. So, and I'll, I will put them in the show notes and we will obviously put links to it on our social media. But if you want to give it one last time so people know exactly where to go and find out more about you. Yeah, I, I would say if you go on Facebook and you just type in Stars of Me and My Friendship Club, you could also type in Me and My Unity Movement, which is the collaboration that we're doing for the uh, Fall for Freedom campaign. You can use uh, the hashtag Fall for Freedom campaign. You can also use the hashtag kick out the Myanmar military attaché in the UK. So any support would be amazing, even if it's liking one of our images or nice comment or something like this. Yeah, we always we always appreciate the support that we get. I don't know, Julie, if you want to add anything else uh, before we finish up or any message for, for, for people listening or anything that you wanted, wanted to say. To the people who listen in this podcast, I myself would like to request we need help from you, every individual form to help us to spread our news on the media or to get in touch with our local, you know, UK Burmese group and to support us in many ways to share uh, your knowledge, how to succeed the campaign. So whatever you can help us, we appreciate it. And also, whoever supported already Burmese people, please keep going, supporting to us. We are also keep fighting to the military to end their brutally killing our Burmese people. Thank you for listening to Arnar Podcast. You can follow us on all major social media platforms. It's at Arnar Podcast. Spelled A-H-N-A-H. Please like, follow and subscribe. Myanmar remains in our hearts and thoughts. We have not forgotten you. Let's keep the conversation going.